I, um, <clears throat> I told Greg and the, and the board, I told Patrick, do not worry about how much time you take. I will cut and splice. I'll edit if I have to. So y'all have definitely challenged me on that one today. I have about eight tight pages. I might be able to get through three. But this has been a good day. God's at work, and I'm so grateful. If you're visiting, we're looking at the book of Mark. And the reason that we're looking at the book of Mark is because it's one of the four Gospels that's pointing all of mankind to who God is and what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. But the Gospel of Mark especially is telling us about His person and His work. And what we're going to see as we go through Mark is not only is there this understanding of who He is, but there is the call of commitment to everybody here and whoever's heard the Gospel to Jesus Christ. You just can't believe it. And there's no cross. You can't just believe the gospel and there's no sacrifice. We believe into Christ, we enter into the kingdom of God, and everything that we see around us is about his reign and his rule. I'm not saying we always see that. I'm not saying uh, that we're always where we need to be in that. But today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that's almost frightening. Because it is a passage of Scripture that deals with the subject of the unpardonable sin. The sin that cannot be forgiven. And ultimately that sin is not responding to the gospel. And so this is relevant to all of us who are here. No matter what your age, no matter what your race, no matter what your education no matter whether you're male or female. So if you would, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and following. And I'm going to end with uh, verse 30 for the sake of time. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. Speaking of Jesus and his disciples. And when his family heard this, they went out to seize him. For they were saying, this is his family. He is out of his mind. And then the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, well, he's possessed by Beelzebul. And by the prince of demons, he casts out demons. And he called them to him. And he said to them in a parable, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. 
And truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of men. And whatever blasphemes they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father, again, we are humbled by all that you're doing through sinners such as us. But we are thankful that the gospel is for sinners. It is for the brokenhearted. It is for the poor. It is for the needy. It is for those who know they have ruined their lives. And it is not for those who question your goodness and thus never really come. So, Father, I pray for those who need hope that they have broken their lives so greatly that there is no building themselves up or pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, but they can alone from the floor look to Christ. Would they experience the power of your Holy Spirit today? And Father, for those who are beginning to move away from this gospel, Lord, that you would have mercy upon them. For here we see Jesus warning because I think he loved these who opposed him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would not let us go our way, but that you would work in us in such a way that we would see the beauty of Jesus Christ who loved sinners. And we ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen. If you notice the title of my sermon is uh, the Mendoza line, one thing you do not want to do is drop below the Mendoza line. Y'all know what the Mendoza line is, right? Well, you don't want to drop below the Mendoza line if you are a baseball player. Okay? I'm sure everybody in the world in this room has heard of Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle, right? Willie Mays. But I bet hardly anybody in here has ever heard of Mario Mendoza. Mario Mendoza was a slick fielding uh, shortstop. And he played a little while for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He played a little while for uh, uh, whatever teams were out there. <clears throat> and, uh, and he was always batting around 200, 198 or so. And let me tell you, if you don't know anything about baseball, you don't want to be batting 200. I don't care how slick fielder you are. Because... Um, the way his name became famous was that George Brett, who played for Kansas City, was a great baseball player. He batted 320, 330 lifetime. But he had a year that he was starting off pretty slowly, and he was batting about 200, and somebody just off the cuff said, man, you're at the Mendoza line. And, uh, and of course, that became a famous saying, that you don't want to drop below the Mendoza line because, you, you know, you won't be invited back to spring training. I don't care how good you are in the infield. Now, guys, let me, let me say this. There, there are a lot of lines that we can, we can cross that you don't want to cross. If you're married, there are certain lines that you don't want to cross. There are certain things you don't want to say. There are certain things you don't want to do. Uh, you certainly want to remain faithful. 
you don't want to cross that line because when you do, there's all kind of temporal implications for that. Or if, you are, if you're making business decisions, uh, or if you're thinking about, you know, uh, cutting the corners, I, I will tell you there's a certain amount of corner cutting, but you can get to the point where you begin to go below that line and, you, and, you, and you're past the ability to recover. If you're in academics, I'm sure that in academics it's very important to be very diligent about what you do, but if you start slacking off and you start drawing that line, you drop below that line, you lose your credibility. I could go on and on. The doctors, you don't want doctors dropping below the Mendoza line. You know, I've only lost uh, eight or nine patients the last year. Well, let me tell you what line you do not want to cross. And that is the line that Jesus speaks of here in our text. And that line is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus tells us in verse 29, it is an unpardonable sin. Now, I know a lot of you have thought about this. But if you haven't thought about this and you're just kind of flooding along, I would like for you to think about it because, you know what, Jesus is speaking to you today through his word because he's raised from the dead and he still speaks just like he did 2,000 years ago to those folks, to you. And that sin is called the unpardonable, it's been called the unpardonable sin. Verse 29 says, Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of, and what kind of sin does it say? Eternal sin. So I would suggest it's very important for us to understand in the moments that we have what Jesus is saying. Now let me say right up front that if you've ever wondered whether you've crossed that line, if you're concerned about maybe where you are, you know, I'm not sure. I'm, I don't have assurance of salvation. I used to love the Lord. I used to want to know Him. But it seems like the ceiling of heaven is closed on me. I don't love His Word like I used to. And you're really struggling. You're re- wrestling with habitual sins in your life. And you're going, have I crossed that line? The answer is no. Unequivocally no. Because you see, the Scripture says that for we who are Christians, you can quench the Holy Spirit... You can grieve the Holy Spirit, but you cannot reject the Holy Spirit because He has chosen you. And sometimes you might not feel like that you're the man or the woman that God has called you to be. In fact, I would suggest to you, if you don't ever struggle with that, it is a sign that you don't know Christ. That if you're not bothered every now and then, about what you do to other people. You're always seeing it your way and your spouse did this and your friend did that and the church did this or whatever it may be. Let me tell you, you're the one that needs to be concerned about the Mendoza line of spirituality and blasphemy. But let me just say to you who are tenderhearted today and maybe you're wondering that, if you look at verse 28... Jesus says, there's all kinds of sins. And not only that, there are all kinds of blasphemies that can be forgiven. So really, this is an encouraging passage to those who really want to be holy, okay? 
To those who are going, I know I'm not the man or woman I need to be, but Lord Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to be involved with what you're doing in the world. And yet, I just sometimes I just slide into, and you fill in the blank. God is patient and he's good and he's gracious. But let me tell you this. If you're not concerned about that, you're not concerned about holiness, you're not concerned about, wow, Jesus Christ is the son of God. He's raised from the dead. And he reigns and he rules. By his word and by his spirit. If that is not seeping into you, but what's beginning to seep into you is more unbelief, more doubts. I'm not submitting. I don't believe this. This is not fair. You're hitting the Mendoza line. And if you go below that Mendoza line, you never come by. Now, so here's what I need to do in the next eight minutes. I, I want to talk to you about what, it, what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not. And then I want to talk to you about what it is. And then if we have time, I want to give an exhortation and a call to repentance. That this is the day that could be the day you either come to Christ or you drop below the Mendoza line because you've chosen that. And so here's the first thing to see is what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not. Now, I've already quoted these verses, but you know, in 28 and 29, uh, when Jesus is rebuking these uh, Sadducees, these Pharisees, these religious leaders, he says, Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the children of men, and whatsoever blasphemies they utter, but whosoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. So he is saying, listen, there are blasphemies. There's all kinds of sins. But there is this sin, this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to put it in its context, right? You, you can't rip this passage out of its context or you get all kind of crazy ideas about what this means. And we know that context is everything. Uh, if, if you're a Republican, you take Democrats out of context. You know that? Now, you say, well, no, no, I don't. Yeah, you do. You're a Republican. If you're a Democrat, do you ever take Republicans out of context? Yeah, uh, and the reason is because we have our own agenda, okay? But you see, the, the writer of Mark, the gospel, is like the good journalist who's not a Democrat or Republican, but is just trying to get to the facts, right? And you go, I, I like that. I think that reporter's kind of not biased. That's kind of good. Well, well Mark and the, all the gospels are giving us the unbiased account of who Jesus Christ is. And so when you read the Gospels, what you discover about Jesus Christ is, uh, as Paul, Mark says at the beginning, very chapter 1, he says, this is the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so the, all the Gospel accounts are about this incredible event that took place 2,000 years ago when God became man to be the man that you and I are not being. To be fully man, but at the same time as we read through these Gospels, we see that Jesus Christ is not only a man, but he's divine. And therefore, there's opposition to him, you see. And I will tell you this. 
If, uh, if you don't have conflict in your own life sometimes about what does this all mean and what, am I really responding to this, I will tell you I believe that he's never showed up. But Jesus shows up and the reason that there's conflict is because he's saying all things are new. This is not about keeping the Ten Commandments. This is not about, this is not about anything that's gone before. Everything that's gone before is pointing to me and you cannot be status quo about me. Right? Well, I want you to see that his family uh, opposed him and the Sadducees opposed him. And I also see, and, and you know, to do this text well, you're going to have to come back next week, sorry. I, I can't cut and paste this much. But so, so let, me, let me talk about what it, it is not. And then next week, y'all come back and you go, man, I need, to, I need to hear the rest of this, okay? Let me, let me say this. Uh, he has opposition, okay? And how does his family oppose him? They said, well, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. Y'all see that? And then we see the religious uh, leaders, uh, and they're saying, you're not crazy, you're demonic. So let's look at his family's assertion. The family says that he's crazy. Now, this is an amazing statement. Would y'all say this is pretty amazing? That's what, there it is in the text. Mark's saying that his own family members thought that he was a little bit over the top. And most commentators are saying, well, they were concerned about Jesus. You know, it was great. You're doing your religious thing. That's awesome. But now you've got all these crowds, and we're, just, we're worried about you. So they literally go to bring him home because he's gotten a little too overboard. Right? Now, let me make some practical application here about this. Um, one of the ways you know that you haven't grieved uh, or, 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 or uh, blasphemed against the Holy Spirit is when you yourself come to know Jesus Christ, all of a sudden people start thinking you're insane. Right? You know why? Because you're not operating as a legalist. You're not legalistic, and you're not a person that goes, well, I can do what I want to do. You know what? You're absolutely captivated by the person who's the most sane person who's ever lived. Now, from a horizontal standpoint, do you, you know, if Jesus Christ is not the Son of God, do you know that his family probably would have been right about that? Man, you're insane. You're, you're saying that you have the authority to forgive sins. What is going on? We need to take you away and we, we need to kind of help you out or else you're going to be in a mental institution like all those other religious people. Now, let me tell you where I've seen this in my own family. In 1972, I was converted. In June. Three months later, I had a burden for my first cousin. We were all the same. We had, I had two first cousins. We had a bunch of cousins. But two were my age. And we grew up together. We were all within six months of each other. And so, uh, God in his mercy brought Jake to Christ. And, uh, and, then, and then right after that, my, my cousin Joe Earl, who was doing cocaine and heroin and, and uh, who knows what else, I remember I had a burden for him, and I went and shared the gospel with him, and lo and behold, he gets converted. And I can remember 
What it was like over the first couple of years, everybody was excited that Joe wasn't doing cocaine anymore and that Jake wasn't uh, uh, an intellectual uh, hating the gospel and rejecting all his... Re- and, they, and they're seeing this. And, and, and then, the, but all of a sudden, you know, they became very uncomfortable with that. You know why? Because there are a lot of members in my family who I think have the vestiges of the gospel. But when it comes to the point where a person enters into a relationship with a person of Jesus Christ, and Jake's, uh, he loves his wife, but you know what? He doesn't love his wife as much as he loves Jesus. And therefore, it impacts his relationship with his wife. And Joe, Joe loves his wife. He loves his kids. He loves his work. But he loves Jesus. And that's 40 years later. And it's disconcerting. So one of the ways you know that you haven't blasphemed against the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit's at so at work in your life that people don't really understand why you're not doing the status quo. Go to church on Sunday, go to Redeemer, leave. Come back to Redeemer, leave. But it has no net sum game in your life. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian, I'm not saying that. But the fact of the matter is, if they call Jesus insane, they'll call you the same. In matter of fact, I would say this. We need a few more insane Christians, don't we? The people go, well, what you're doing doesn't make any sense. Now, why are y'all going to start that school? How are you going to do that? I don't know. It's insane. Okay? Or, or again, and Brandy, I don't mean to, you know, there's Brandy on the front row, but I have more in common with Brandy, who's my sister, because we have the same father, than I have with my own brother. Why? Because we have the same father, don't we, Brandy? And God's at work. And, 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 and when... The, 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 but the world just doesn't... Do you think the world understands why blacks and whites that are Christians get along so well? It's because of Jesus Christ. The world doesn't understand that. We're going to create hate crimes and hate laws and this and that and the other, you see. So, there, so, so there's opposition by his own family. And then, and then we say the opposition that come uh, from the religious leaders. And what do the religious leaders say? They say he's crazy. I'm not, not, not he's crazy. I'm sorry. They say that he has a demon. So here's the accusation from them. Uh, the reason you're able to do what you do, are able to do is because uh, you're obviously cast out demons because you yourself are demonic. And, and so, but, but, you, but what you've got to understand is that Jesus' warning really starts coming after, not his family, but he starts coming after religious people, religious leaders, who in all their studies and all their thinking, they miss Jesus Christ. And not only they miss Jesus Christ, but they begin to attribute evil to him. All right, now I want to close by saying this, and I want to come back to this next. I just I feel like I want to do it justice, but I want to leave you with this thought. If you're here today and you're not a believer, or you're here today and you really say, I don't know if I really believe any of this or not. And the reason you need to think about it is, number one, you're here hearing about it. Number two, the Bible's been written, and it's going all the way around the world, and it's right there for you to read and think about. 
but the question to you, if you're, because you've got to understand, the Bible's not talking about Jesus' family that thought he was nuts. James finally came around, right, and he was martyred. His brother was martyred because he was, oh, okay, you are the son of God. Okay, I get this. But, he's a, but I tell you, he addresses religious people or any other kind of people, any kind of skeptics that refuse to believe and submit to his rule and his reign. And it, and it goes something like this, and, and then I want to close. Here, here's how it goes. And, and now, now I'm going to talk to you if you think you're sitting on that Mendoza line. And by the way, if you've really struggled with, you know, whether you're a Christian and Hebrews 6 and Hebrews uh, 10, and you're going, I, you know, I, I, I'm telling you, Jesus is not talking to you. I'm telling you as a minister of the gospel, he is not talking to people whose conscience are tender. He's talking to you who are out there, and it might be one of you, might be two of you. I hope there are more because we're supposed to be reaching unbelievers with the gospel. It is to you who are beginning to say, I don't know if God's really good. What do you mean he's not good? He sent his son to take upon himself human flesh and will forever be both God and man forever was crucified for us. What do you mean he's not good? And then if you begin to go, I don't know if there's good in the wise, if there's, God is good, why is there evil in the world? Why did Jesus have to come in the first place? And all these other sophistic arguments that are out there, and trust me, they are. I want to ask you something, and I conclude on this. What do you say is good? You understand what I'm asking here? Because you say, if you're saying it is not revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, then you make him out to be evil. Right? You make him out not to be the God who, for whoever's here, however you screwed your life up, or screwing up right now, he says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden. If that is not goodness, then what is? Now, I want to come back to this next week, okay? So if you're, if you're here and you're going, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried about that Mendoza line, then come on back. Because you see, once you slip below it, you don't get invited back to spring training. And, you, and if you're not really that concerned about it, well, it could be because you have absolute, I'm, I'm not concerned about the Mendoza line because <laughs> I, I, I know Jesus and I love Jesus and he loves me and I believe he loves me in spite of myself and all that. But let me tell you, if you're a person who's here and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you've not been made alive with Jesus Christ. But worse than that, you're sitting here going, I don't know if I believe any of that anymore. Then Jesus says, don't slide below that because if you slide too far, it will be eternal. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful for what you're doing here in the city. I'm so grateful for Downtown Academy and Downtown Ministries and our brothers and sisters who have a burden to see the city redeemed. And so, Lord, we rejoice in this Sunday morning. And, Father, um, I thank you for your word. We've heard your word today. We've heard the gospel that Jesus Christ is the only one who is good and true and faithful. And not only good and true, but God, and, and not only the living God, but, the, but, but fully man who suffered and died for sinners such as us. What more goodness could we see? 
Father, I do pray for those. I really do. Whose hearts have grown so hard that they're wondering if you are who you say you are. Lord, would you be merciful to them and cause them to see their own sin and their need to come to sweet King Jesus and repent of their sins and know what true life and hope is in him. And we ask these things in your name. Amen.